Well, again, thank you as always so much to so many people who helped to put our worship service together for, um, uh, for our praise team and, um, for our, uh, Wesley choir who do our music for us, for, uh, Karen V. Meyer, who is our liturgist today, for Gary Brubaker, who puts all of our music together, for all of our ushers and liturgists and greeters and so many. Thank you for all uh, that you do to help make our worship services what they are. So as we're continuing this week, um, this is our third week talking about disruptions in the book of Jonah. Um, Jonah is a pretty short book, as you've probably realized already, as maybe you've read it. Um, in the third chapter here, we have just um, uh, just a few verses. And so um, even though it's a short book, there are lots of interpretations, as we've already talked about some of them, um, but lots of ways to interpret the story and hear how it speaks to us. Um, I think it's a story full of disruptions. And so we'll hear, continue to hear how it speaks to us um, and teaches us how to live even today. So would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Um, well, okay, just to recap the story so far. So we start the very beginning, um, previously on Jonah, um, that uh, God called Jonah to go to Nineveh um, and to preach good news um, and repentance and um, to preach there in Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to because, well, he didn't want to for a lot of reasons that, you know, we can, anyway, Jonah didn't want to. And so he went so far in the opposite direction of Nineveh on a boat. And while he was on this boat, a storm brewed um, and the crew threw Jonah overboard, um, where Jonah found himself in the belly of a fish, um, where he had a change of heart and prayed to God. And then at the end of chapter two, uh, the fish hurled Jonah on the path to Nineveh. So that's where we are so far. Now, um, I think that um, we've talked about some of the lessons that we learned throughout Jonah, and I think it bears repeating some of the lessons that are um, that are really apparent through pretty much every chapter of the book of Jonah. Um, I think there's a few big themes and messages, one being that God delivers, and God is ready to deliver those who turn to God. That God isn't just for any one particular group of people, that God is available to all people, and that God's grace especially is available to everyone. God is present and God is powerful. God listens to prayers and those who pray, and God is so patient. And I know that's good news for me, um, that God loves us so much to be patient with us. And I think this book, again, teaches us how to respond to disruptions. Now, I think um, there's also so many second chances that are given throughout the book of Jonah. Um, in the beginning of chapter three, Jonah is given a second chance to go to Nineveh. Um, so this is his second call from God to go and preach to Nineveh and to proclaim the message that God has for them. Now, it's literally uh, the same call from the first chapter, except this time Jonah gets the message. In chapter one, when God says, go to Nineveh, Jonah's like, mm, peace out, no, um, and doesn't even hear the rest of it. So in this time, Jonah hears what the message is. 
literally what the message that God has for Nineveh is what Jonah hears this time. So he gets the message. Get it? Anyway, um, so he gets the message to go to Nineveh and to proclaim this message. Now, um, he didn't bother to hear it the first time, but this time he did and went to Nineveh as he was instructed. And so he preached this message and he preached repentance and he preached about God and the people did. They repented. Um, they believed is what the passage tells us. They believed in God. Um, and so because of this, God also relented because God's grace is available. And God is a God of second and third and fourth and 295th chances. Which, this is a great story. It's beautiful. Uh, now, here's a few of the details that I think are both interesting and help us understand the story a little bit more. So, um, we see how God views Nineveh through the words that are chosen to describe Nineveh. God calls this a great city. Now, the words in Hebrew, um, it translates when God talks about Nineveh as a great city, um, it's translated as sort of an exceedingly great city or worthy before God. And I think this gives a glimpse to us of how God views Nineveh, that God views Nineveh as one of God's creations, an exceedingly great city, worthy before God. So this great city that God talks about Jonah talks about slightly different. When Jonah talks about Nineveh, it's called a big city. Not great, just big. So it's not about any uh, qualifications other than its sort of geography or its land space. So it gives us a different picture of how Jonah sees Nineveh versus how God sees Nineveh. Then there's the message that Jonah preaches. So the message that Jonah preaches is that in 40 days, uh, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, it seems like um, this is fairly simple, right? But actually, there are a couple ways to interpret what Jonah preaches. It's sort of a double meaning. So one way to interpret this message, which is probably the one that's the most common way to interpret this message, is that Nineveh will be overthrown or destroyed or demolished. So in 40 days... Nobody's going to repent, and so Nineveh is going to be destroyed. That's sort of the message that usually gets interpreted from there. Um, however, there's another way to interpret it. The other way to interpret it is that in 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, that word overthrown may not be, may not be destroyed or demolished, but changed or reformed. So is it in 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed or is it in 40 days and Nineveh will be changed? I mean, it's how the Ninevites respond to the message that, that sort of shows how that message gets realized. And as we continue in chapter three, it tells us the Ninevites repented and believed. They had an inward change, which resulted in their fasting, and an outward change, which resulted in them putting on sackcloth. So it's a both and. They don't just inwardly repent. They inwardly and outwardly repent. And it's not just a few people, but the king and all of the people do this. And so this was a sign of really true belief and repentance. 
It was what God wanted all along, for the people to return and to believe. Now, here's another little interesting thing about Nineveh. Nineveh means house of the fishes. This is a fishy story. That's a good one. <laughs> um, so Nineveh means the house of fishes. Jonah finds himself inside the belly of a fish again. He's in the middle of Nineveh, the house of fishes, when he starts preaching this message from God. He had a three-day journey to get through Nineveh, similar to the three days he spent in the belly of a fish. Now, it would be assumed that those kinds of experiences would change you. So what about Jonah? Well, we'll find out in the next chapter how Jonah feels about this. I mean, we have, we have hints in this chapter, right? He doesn't call the city great. It's just the big city. And when Jonah preaches, he uses the words overthrow or destroy in reference to Nineveh. So I think we can see where this is going. But it's this message. 40 days and more and Nineveh will be overthrown. I mean, what do you do with a message like that? <clears throat> I mean, when you're presented with, uh, with a new way of doing things, maybe it's an opportunity to change your ways. That can be a painful realization. I mean, who wants to be told that you're doing something wrong? Anybody? Or that there might be a better way of doing things or a better way of even just being. Those are hard messages to receive. I mean, what would your response be if someone came to you and was like, you know, God wants you to be just a little bit nicer. Or God wants you to, you know, sometimes we scoff at those or those are hard messages to receive or we might think, oh, they're crazy. And yet, there's also times when we think, you know, it's presented like, oh, if you were presented with a better way of doing things, how would you do it? You would probably say, yes, of course. And we all maybe want to believe that, yeah, we'd be flexible, we'd be open. But that means change. And change isn't always easy. And we're not always a fan of change. I mean, we're a fan of change when we offer it. But when somebody else offers change to us, it's not always received, right? It's hard. I mean, <clears throat> what if we're presented with all of our own shortcomings or the things that we've done wrong? I mean, if you're presented with a list like that of, let me tell you the things that I think you could do better. Or even if we present that to ourselves of here's where we feel like we've fallen short or maybe we've sinned. Will God still love us? Will God forgive us? It can even feel like we're beyond God's care. And yet, and yet, God reminds us over and over again that we are never beyond God's care and God's love and God's forgiveness. The question is, will we accept it? Now, the Ninevites trusted that God would love and accept them. They knew that it was important to change their ways. On BTW, changing their ways was not anything small. 
And while we may not think of ourselves in the same way as the Ninevites, our own changes can be monumental to ourselves. And so it's so important for us to trust and rely on God's grace and to believe that God's grace is available for me. Yes, even for me and for you and for you and for you and for us. So what is grace? Grace is an addict taking their first step into sobriety. Grace is sharing your own story of hurt and healing. Grace is someone leaving an abusive relationship. Grace is the hot meal when you're starving. Grace is someone telling you that you are worthy of God's love. Grace is the person that stands up to a bully and says, enough. Grace is the hand that reaches out for yours when you've had enough. Grace is the cup of coffee that wakes you up in the morning. Grace is someone who shovels your walkway. Grace is someone who washes the dishes every week. Grace is someone who plays piano and sings with their whole heart and being in praise. Grace is the child making faces at you in the middle of worship. Grace is a warm blanket on a cold day. Grace is the one who sees you when no one else does. Grace is a change of mind or a change of heart. Grace is enough. And grace is for you. Grace is for me. Grace is enough. So whatever disruptions you may be facing, stop. Don't run away or don't avoid them. Pray. And believe that God has been and will be with you always. The word for believe in Jonah, be firm or sure. The Ninevites were firm and sure in their trust and belief in God. Hold fast to the grace that God offers. Grace is enough. Thanks be to God. Amen.